0: What's up, guys, and welcome to another episode of the Dumbrel podcast. Today, I'm going to be talking about what's being referred to as a Wuhan lab made virus by some, having consequences beyond just respiratory issues. It's also controlling the minds of millions of people who are suddenly unified by a single dark force. Okay, so the truth is, this episode is really more about propaganda and addressing specific events that should really be blowing people's minds here. These new reports of the current coronavirus being made in a Wuhan laboratory is part of it, and I'll talk about that in a bit, but we've actually all been here before, granted under very different circumstances. We look back at the lessons the last time this happened, second-guess our conclusions, and reflect on how we were manipulated, but it doesn't seem to matter the next time the very same thing happens— With slightly different ingredients, we all seem doomed to make the exact same mistakes all over again. I'll make a short diversion here to talk about the last time we learned a very important lesson that we're forgetting today. When the US along with its allies invaded Afghanistan and eventually Iraq based on false information, in the West we all fell in line. We praise our system over that of places like China and say we are free and we have free press, but what's the point? This is part of the reason we're far more dangerous than the Chinese public, for example. The Chinese are a bit more obvious about their censorship than we are of ours. And don't kid yourself, we have censorship also. We do it far more creatively, usually, the exception, of course, being the persecution of Julian Assange, which can't possibly be any more in-your-face obvious. But granted, places like China practice censorship far more broadly than we do, but generally are more obvious about the way they do it. The obvious part is precisely why we're more dangerous. The Chinese understand better than we do the limitation of our respective media outlets. The idea of us being manipulated to fall in line with a state-sponsored initiative is beyond comprehension. Far more than it is for someone who's living in a society that's a bit more, ironically, transparent and honest about what they do to control the narrative. I remember so clearly when 9-11 happened and where I was. Even as a Canadian, I fell in line with what was obvious we should do next, even without asking some really important questions. New York City was a place I went at least once per year when I lived in Canada, and I was terrified when these events happened. Not only from a general sense, but because I have a lot of family in New York City, one of whom who worked in the World Trade Center. It was pretty much impossible to call them to get an update. All the lines were jammed. I was relieved to eventually learn that it was one of the very few days my cousin called in sick, but I still remained horrified how many other people lost their lives. There was one thing I was sure of. Someone had to pay for this. It didn't matter if you were left or right. All of a sudden, America could justify just about any kind of intervention in the Middle East and surrounding area, no matter how violent. Howard Stern isn't really a right-wing guy, but on that day of the attacks, he repeatedly called for nuclear attacks and even said we should bomb people into the ground, pave over them, and steal their oil. Left-wing late-night shows across the board were preparing people for war and saying that many more lives would be lost. And even when some of us started scratching our heads after America announced they'd attack Iraq, Bush's support soared to over 75%. Slowly, over time, support dropped lower and lower to well under 50% when people started to realize they had been duped. But during that time, anyone who tried to speak in the other direction was booed or removed off the air. One debate that stuck with me, the debate that made me start to question so much more, was when Ron Paul asked a very simple and reasonable question. He asked, why were we attacked? Do we really think it's simply because people hate America and its freedoms? It seemed like a really reasonable question, and there were other people who asked it too, but the same thing that always happens, happened. They get shut down. I'm going to play a clip for you of some of the follow-up debate ron paul had with rudy giuliani
1: congressman you don't think that changed with the 9-11 attacks sir what changed the non-interventionist policies no it, it, non-intervention was a major contributing factor have you ever read about the reasons they attacked us They they attack us because we've been over there. We've been bombing Iraq for 10 years. We've been in the Middle East. I think Reagan was right. We don't understand the irrationality of Middle Eastern politics. So right now we're building an embassy in Iraq that's bigger than the Vatican. We're building 14 permanent bases. What would we say here if China was doing this in our country or in the Gulf of Mexico? We would be objecting. We need to look at what we do from the perspective of what would happen if somebody else did to us. Are you suggesting we invited the 9-11 attacks, sir? I'm I'm suggesting that we listen to the people who attacked us and the reason they did it. And they are delighted that we're over there because Osama bin Laden has said, I am glad you're over on our sand because we can target you so much easier. They've already now, since that time, have killed 3,400 of our men, and I don't think it was necessary. Wendell, may I make a comment on that? That's really an extraordinary statement. Uh, It's an extraordinary statement of someone who lived through the attack of September 11, that we invited the attack because we were attacking Iraq. I don't think I've ever heard that before, and I've heard some pretty absurd explanations for September 11. I would ask the congressman to withdraw that comment and tell us that he didn't really mean that. Congressman? I believe very sincerely that the, that the CIA is correct when they teach and, and talk about blowback. When we went into uh, Iran in 1953 and installed the Shah, yes, there was blowback. Uh, the reaction to that was the taking of our hostages. And that persists. And if we ignore that, we ignore that at our own risk, that if we think that we can do what we want around the world and not incite hatred, then we, then we have a problem. They don't come here to attack us because we're rich and we're free. They come and they, and they attack us because we're over there. I mean, what would we think if, we were, uh, if other foreign countries were doing that to us? Can I have 30 seconds, please? No, no, the, no, th- no, th- no, th- no, wait a, th- a second. Hey, let's no, th- let's We'll they, 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 are, they are coming oh, oh, we'll, we'll, we, we, we all want 30, 30, 30, 30 seconds to talk oh, about this. We'll, we'll, yeah. Wendell, go ahead. I think I'm going to turn to uh, Senator McCain
0: and uh, change the subject, if I will. <laughs> As you can see by the applause Giuliani got, the general attitude was, how dare you even begin to think to ask these questions? Even aside from the false weapons of mass destruction campaign, there was, of course, a lot of other accompanying propaganda that Americans underwent, including the claims that Muslim groups across America were celebrating the attacks, standing on building tops across the river, getting a front row seat, knowing when the attacks would happen, and celebrating it while it happened. A story picked up far and wide that turned out to be false, And based on a single incident with Israeli men standing on a van after the attacks to get photos, who subsequently told the FBI, we are not your enemy. As most of you know, of course, the American public's support for the war in Iraq eventually dropped to well below 50% and people started to wise up to how much they had been misled. But to what end? What's the point? Here we are again in the same place like we never had this lesson before. There has been a very obvious anti-China campaign going on for a very long time for anyone who's paying close enough attention. Once you catch on to it, some of it becomes so fake that you literally should be laughing out loud. We're constantly told Chinese people are living under an oppressive regime in fear and need saving by the West to bring them democracy and freedom, while their living standards have improved faster than anywhere else in the history of Earth, raising hundreds of millions of people out of poverty. We're told the Chinese are ethnically cleansing the Uyghur Muslim minority groups despite having built 20,000 mosques over the last couple of decades. More than all the Western virtue signaling countries combined, they have 10 Islamic colleges, the entry requirements into top universities are lower, and the Uyghur ethnic minorities were not subject to the one-child rule, contributing to their population outgrowing Han Chinese proportionately. After millions of dollars are pumped into Hong Kong by the NED to teach Hong Kongers why they need American freedoms, despite ranking as the third freest place on earth while America itself ranks 17th according to actual, measurable, and tangible freedoms, Americans have convinced themselves that they need to go and save these people, not considering for a moment that they could possibly be feeding into a pre-existing propaganda campaign, ignoring America's own allies that are far more oppressive and ignoring other truly oppressed protests around the world happening at the same time who could only dream of getting away with how many Molotov cocktails Hong Kong rioters have thrown without having a single one of them killed by police. Those other guys don't get America's attention because their governments are aligned with American interests. There were a lot of people who weren't sucked into this anti-China rhetoric, but unwillingly it has actually influenced them, even if some of them don't even realize it yet. What's needed is a catastrophic and catalyzing event to bring this simmering influence to a boiling point. This event happens to be something far more natural than what happened last time. Last time, it was the 9-11 attacks. This time, it's coronavirus. The American government probably didn't fully appreciate the gravity of this opportunity that was handed to them on a silver platter. That's why Trump continually praised China's transparency and the World Health Organization in the beginning. But even with how obviously contradictory everything Trump is saying now compared to what he was saying before is, almost everyone is falling in line, especially because, just like with 9-11, people are feeling an impact, they want someone to blame, and the U.S. government is here to help you find that person. You've got people like Senator Rick Scott, who has been said to have overseen and been the beneficiary of one of the largest frauds in Medicare history now trying to convince everyone that China lied. For additional comedic relief levels of irony, he goes on to say that anyone who buys products made in China is supporting them, touting all of this while Apple AirPods are hanging from his ears. You've got other government officials constantly complaining about Chinese manufacturing and quality. When the Chinese government begins to increase controls on poor product from leaving its country by putting strict export requirements and examinations in place for PPE, They're accused of withholding vital medical supplies and equipment. This comes from guys like Senator Tom Cotton, who has always said they should boycott Chinese products to begin with, especially because it's made with slave labor. If it isn't already ironic enough that he's now begging for their products, he's conveniently ignoring the appalling modern-day slave labor systems in place in his own country, a system that gets prisoners into solitary confinement when they speak out against it. The same kind of stuff is being repeated by people like Pompeo, who's always been creative with his villainizing of China, despite the awkwardly ironic recording of him getting up on stage in Texas and proudly saying that when he was the CIA director, they had entire training manuals on lying, cheating, and stealing. If it wasn't already obvious enough what's going on here, the point in which all of these senators really started to up their blame game was after a supposed leak of a State Department cable pushing officials to criticize China came out. The talking points seemed to have originated from the National Security Council and encouraged officials to get a China-blaming message out and make as many TV appearances as possible. It's also artificially forced and pushed along and obvious if you just take a little look beneath the surface, but so many people are just eating this up. The amount of disinformation out there really extends so far that it's impossible to keep up with. And oftentimes when you confront those who believe it with the truth, it doesn't matter what amounts of evidence you supply. They want to believe so badly that China is the enemy that being lied to for something they believe in is so much more important than the truth. People, for example, widely accept that China arrested and silenced doctors as a fact. Even though this is categorically false, Li Wenliang was given a warning letter and allowed to go back to work. Meanwhile, in the end of February, Mike Pence announced that he'd be controlling all news and communication from government health officials and scientists. Hardly anyone cared, at least as much. When a New Jersey nurse was suspended for raising $12,000 on GoFundMe to buy protective gear for her and her colleagues, and was thereafter suspended, people didn't seem to really rally behind her as much as people did Chinese medical staff when it was a story about the evil Chinese government suppressing their citizens. This unequal outrage ignores the Chinese government finally recognized Li Wenliang as a hero and as having correctly predicted that this was a serious issue. It ignores that the World Health Organization was notified within 24 hours of his group message because of the pre-existing examinations by the doctors who actually found the issue, Dr. Zhang who followed correct protocol. Li Liang was exonerated from his, yes, mere warning letter. I have a feeling the U.S. government, who actually relieved Captain Brett Cozier of his duty as the captain of the aircraft carrier Theodore Roosevelt after he raised the alarm bell on the coronavirus crisis on board, will not receive the same kind of message from the U.S. government. This is what they really rely on to silence people and send a message to others. And it's what they also did with New York's regional FBI director, Robert Fox. After he mentioned the CIA training several of the World Trade Center bombers received, he was shortly thereafter transferred out of his post, something virtually no one covered. But back to the Li Wenliang issue, have people really thought if they'd want the Chinese government to do anything differently the next time around? Pretending for a moment that Li Wenliang didn't say, please don't reshare this information in his private group chat like he did, and going with the common misconception that he was trying to alert the public, do we want every doctor? while a pre-existing investigation is going on, to prematurely cause panic? Sure, in this case, Lee turned out to be right, somewhat. It wasn't SARS, but it was something to be concerned about. But also ignoring the day after his message, reports of a mysterious pneumonia were already showing up on TV stations in China, and the WHO were notified. What are the two possibilities that can occur from allowing every doctor, who isn't even related to the department or investigation, to start pushing out their theories? Well, in simple terms, they could be right, or they could be wrong. Each time they are wrong, the public is needlessly sent into a panic. If they are right, and it's serious or worse than what we're facing now, locking down the city once science has irrefutably confirmed how big of an issue it is, will be less effective if everyone who had potentially been exposed has already fled the city, giving surrounding regions a quick and sudden shock and even less time to prepare. Not many people seem to really provide good alternatives when they're so broadly criticizing China. In regards to the outrage and claims that China acted too slow, Despite identifying and isolating this coronavirus from just a few dozen pneumonia patients in the middle of a flu season when literally millions of cases of atypical pneumonia happen every year. And also despite China genome sequenced this in record time, making it fully available to the world on January 11th and moving faster than anyone ever has before on a brand new virus. The outrage usually accompanies a claim that on January 14th, the World Health Organization said that human to human transmission is a non-concern. When in fact, they clearly said preliminary investigations haven't uncovered anything yet. And also specifically said that human-to-human transmission is always a concern, and this is still being investigated. A few days later, they finally confirmed it to be true. One of the newest reports out there is outraged at China for potentially being six days slower than they could have been. When all that means is, considering the six weeks following the human-to-human transmission element being fully confirmed almost nothing was done by the international community. It simply means they would have had six extra days to do more of nothing. This claim that everyone could have acted faster and treated this more seriously, had they known earlier, becomes even more ironic when you consider Trump is actively promoting people to go out in large groups and protest against their state if the lockdown restrictions aren't being eased. One of the other claims is that China didn't allow outside eyes in. It seems as though the U.S. Embassy in Ireland even got fed up with this claim and tweeted the following. Did you know that the CDC, referring to the American CDC, maintains an office in Beijing and works closely on a number of public health issues with the China CDC, including on the COVID-19 response. Additionally, U.S. experts were part of the WHO team that visited China in February in response to COVID-19. Another popular claim that should really be comedy is that Taiwan notified the WHO of human-to-human transmission in the end of December. And had the WHO taken Taiwan more seriously, ignoring for a second the extensive amounts of communication they had back and forth, that the world could have been saved, more or less. Well, Taiwan released that bombshell of an email, and I'll read it to you. News resources today indicate that at least seven atypical pneumonia cases were reported in Wuhan, China. Their health authorities replied to the media that the cases were believed not to be SARS. However, the samples are still under examination, and the cases have been isolated for treatment. I would greatly appreciate it if you had relevant information to share with us. Thank you very much in advance for your attention to this matter. Best regards. That's it. That's the big reveal. Notice that before this was released, they had used the general claim of being in the end of December, because had they revealed the actual date, December 31st, everyone would have known that all they basically did was see a news report on Chinese television and parrot it back, even though mainland China was already communicating with the WHO on the very same day as well. It also reveals the claim that they alerted the WHO of human-to-human transmissibility was a complete fabrication. Keep in mind, this email was released on the Twitter account of the Ministry of Health and Welfare in Taiwan. They would have been way better off just keeping this email private to protect this hoax. But remarkably, when you scroll through the comments, people are not only oblivious to what this email exposes, they're truly celebrating this as a bombshell victory in proving themselves right. It's a remarkable display of cognitive dissonance reaching levels I've never before in my life seen. Moving on from that, when New York City added 3,800 deaths previously unaccounted for from up to a month prior, or the UK's numbers are underestimated by up to 52%, the stories are usually about the challenges that come with coronavirus casualty data. But when Wuhan adds 1,300 deaths to the total numbers in their post-pandemic investigations, it's suddenly proof that China was lying. But now, let's move on to the most ridiculous and outrageous claim at all, that the virus was made in a Wuhan lab. This would be the perfect WMD 2.0 story all over again, especially if we wanted to get anybody who might have been on the fence on board. You'd think the world would be wiser after the original WMD lie, but you'd be wrong. It doesn't take much effort at all. Make sure you also really pay attention to the types of people who are pushing this theory and look back at how it fits into their pre-existing agendas. For now, though, let's just listen to how ambiguous the I-cannot-confirm-or-deny type of leading suggestion that's coming from U.S. Joint Chiefs Chairman General Mike Miley. Joint Chief of Staff Chairman Mike Miley acknowledged this week that the U.S. intelligence is taking a hard look at the question of whether the novel coronavirus originated in a lab. I would just say at this point it's inconclusive, although the weight of evidence seems to indicate natural origin, but we don't know for certain, Miley told reporters. Miley's comments were echoed on Thursday by Defense Secretary Mike Esper, who told NBC News the government is looking closely at the issue of the origin of the virus, but it hasn't reached any concrete conclusions. A majority of the views right now is that the virus is natural. It was organic, Esper said, but noted that additional investigative work needs to be done. There have also been a number of scientists that have also come out, likely flabbergasted at the mass ignorance surrounding this topic. As one of the many examples, a number of US, UK, and Australian scientists said, Our analysis clearly shows that the SARS-CoV-2 is not a laboratory construct or a purposefully manipulated virus. We do not believe that any type of laboratory-based scenario is plausible. I'll put the link in the description to the actual scientific study. Furthermore, American disease ecologist Dr. Peter Dazak said, I've been working with that lab for 15 years. There was no viral isolate in the lab. There was no cultured virus that's anything related to sars coronavirus 2 so it's just not possible. But perhaps even more important than this is listening to what the other part of the joint venture lab has to say. Keep in mind, this P4 or BSL-4 lab in Wuhan is the product of a joint collaboration between France and China, dating back to 2004. We would like to make it clear that there is to this day no factual evidence corroborating recent reports in the U.S. press linking the origins of COVID-19 to the work of the P4 laboratory in Wuhan, China, an official at President Emmanuel Macron's office said. But alas, it seems that vaguely worded, we should really look into this more, is taken far more seriously than what actual scientists have to say. We're falling into the same trap all over again, and just like last time, there's a group of people being thrown under the bus. It's overseas Chinese. From simple name calling to actual physical violence, including acid attacks, overseas Chinese are collateral damage in this propaganda war. You can even pay attention to how many specific coronavirus stories about things like hoarding product, in instances that had nothing to do with someone of Asian ethnicity, is still using a photo of someone Asian for the story. It's been happening a lot, without any reflection about what that community is going through right now. After 9-11, it was the Muslims who were targeted well, as a matter of fact, it was brown people in general, especially Sikhs, what we have now isn't too dissimilar in that sense because it's overseas Asians being targeted in general now. I just want to make a quick side note here that it was after these events that I respected Sikhism even more than I already did. So many Sikhs refused to use the I'm not Muslim defense when being discriminated against because they felt they should stand up against prejudice even if they're being mistargeted. I am seeing the same thing now. I have many Cambodian and Vietnamese friends back in Canada who are speaking out against the racism towards Chinese, but I have also seen others trying to throw Chinese under the bus to save themselves. The most ridiculous thing I've seen so far was a Canadian Hong Konger saying he found it difficult to believe that people would discriminate against Hong Kongers speaking Cantonese, expecting that a racist attacker who can't normally tell the difference between any Asians will suddenly be able to tell the difference between Mandarin and Cantonese. This level of self racism is actually a topic that I'm going to dig into a bit deeper in a separate episode. But I thought some of the stuff was important enough to mention here to really emphasize that you're not just targeting an enemy far away from home when you're buying into this propaganda that you're being fed. I usually say that American propaganda is some of the best and most sophisticated in the world, but when I look at how obvious some of the stuff is that they pump out, I often shift towards saying that the problem is just as much that we're just so darn easy to manipulate in the West. To the credit of American propaganda, when they do bring their A-game, they manipulate not only their own people, but also the people in foreign countries, sometimes with devastating consequences. My mother's country of Guyana is a perfect example. The other thing that America is really great at is regime change. And when you get both their propaganda and regime change machines working together, as they often do, they can accomplish so much. In the case of Guyana, it came in the form of wanting to get rid of Chetty Jagan and the elected government because they were a bit too friendly with the Soviet Union. In order to create sufficient unrest, the CIA and MI5 created a racial war between the two main ethnic groups in Guyana, those of Indian descent and those of African descent. This isn't a conspiracy theory. The documents surrounding this operation have since been declassified, long enough afterwards so that no one in the West would really care anymore. And apparently no one would reflect on to imagine how the same thing is happening over and over again even today. The results of the racial war were violent and created a divide that lasted a very long time. I can tell you firsthand that even after 50 years, you'll catch the older generations saying some pretty appalling things about the other side. This is even after they know full well that they were manipulated. On a very brief side note here, although I don't totally agree with the way that censorship is handled in China, the specific threat to developing countries who are targets of the US is one of the many reasons China does practice censorship. There's a bunch of other items I could add here to back this up, including specific things that people like Deng Xiaoping have said. But I'll save this for another episode. The one thing I will say is that China would have been far less unified and accomplished far less than they have if they had to divert the amount of effort required to counteract foreign destabilization efforts while building their country. Back to the original topic though, the effects of these disinformation campaigns were always long lasting. With coronavirus, the fallout from anti-China propaganda will now reach levels that are difficult to repair. I was initially encouraged to see Canada stand out a bit and have its health minister refute the propaganda suggesting that China has been deliberately dishonest with its reporting, especially because of, sorry to be harsh here, Canada's long history of being a lapdog to the US. Nothing exemplifies this more than when the RCMP caught terrorist Ali Mohammed but let him go under the instruction of the FBI, after which he went on to help with the embassy bombings in Kenya and Tanzania that killed 224 people. I suspect Canadians somewhat woke up when Trump tried to block 3M from supplying any more masks from Canada. A lot of Canadians probably started to realize, maybe these guys aren't our friends, well at least this administration I mean. But luckily for Canadian healthcare workers, the government reminded Trump that much of 3M's raw materials come from Canada, and the issue was very quickly resolved thereafter. I won't get too much into the secondary point about how this points out the irony of America accusing China of withholding supplies. That should be obvious enough here. The Meng Wanzhou case, the daughter of the Huawei CEO under house arrest in Canada, is a whole nother thing with its clearly political-motivated intentions. Nabbing someone for trading with Iran, despite Canada having trade relations with Iran, therefore calling into question the double criminality requirements required for an extradition to the US, and based on the claim that she hid the relationships between Huawei and Skycom to HSBC, even though Huawei employees using Huawei email addresses would regularly communicate with the bank regarding its accounts. It's another example of Canada serving the US even at its own expense. But this is a story that requires a bit more time to pass before people can start to think about this logically. In the case of the Canadian health minister, just like with Ron Paul and the other people who spoke out during the Iraqi invasions, they're being labeled by many as somebody who's helping the enemy. So where are we now? We're in a place where over half of Americans support the idea of China paying reparations for a virus, while Less than half of Americans support the idea of paying reparations to the African-American community for slavery. We're in a place where people don't recognize the irony of asking China to pay for something natural when America hasn't paid anything to the countries they use depleted uranium on, or to the Vietnamese whose children to this day are being born with severe birth defects because of the man-made Agent Orange dropped on them. The propaganda is working yet again, and it's so great that even the most obvious of hypocrisies go unnoticed. I realize a lot of these examples might fall on deaf ears because we don't have enough distance from some of this stuff I'm talking about here, like we already had with the Iraq War. Or maybe some of you are too young to remember the effects that the Iraq War propaganda had on us. Or maybe you still really believe you did the right thing and brought freedom and democracy to Iraq even though the U.S. continually undermines the publicly elected Iraqi parliament, particularly when they voted for U.S. troops to leave after they assassinated an Iranian general in their country who was on his way to peace talks with Saudi officials, which had the chance to bring considerable peace and stability to the region. A part of the story you're often not told about, especially considering how many people are removed from American social media platforms When they tried to tell people about it which ties into the point i alluded to earlier in regards to the west's more overt censorship but whatever the case may be i hope you still remember what i've told you here even if you don't reflect on it until much later because this isn't the last time you'll be manipulated it will happen over and over again so i hope by paying attention to what i have to say here even though i might not be able to change your mind now you'll at least start to become a little bit more alert and aware the next time around, especially after you realize how ridiculous what's going on right now really is. This should be the time when the world is coming together. For the time being, try to fight your overwhelming need to find someone to blame. We've seen where that got us last time. When people are going to try so hard to convince themselves that China is an evil enemy withholding information, The world will stop looking for what China has made available for everyone to fight this more effectively with. Even just the 100-page guide from Jack Ma and the Fangchang Shelter Hospitals detailing everything they learned on the ground and what worked most effectively would be an absolute tragedy for overseas healthcare professionals to not read just because they're believing the propaganda that China hasn't been providing endless streams of valuable information. The implications to yourself don't stop there in terms of just missing valuable and useful information. When you've successfully been fear-mongered to, it's often not only used to take away the rights of your enemy, it's used as a way for you to start volunteeringly giving up yours, and not only in the form of being manipulated. I'll let you look up the Patriot Act on your own. I'm going to wrap it up here, guys, but please, at bare minimum, start paying closer attention to what's going on around you right now, and it should be way more obvious than it is to most people. I don't blame you, because I've been there and I know how perfectly this stuff is playing into and takes advantage of our emotions during a time like this. Take care, guys, and I will see you in the next one. Peace.